Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Podcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous October 27th day, 2021. Coming right up, it's the second book of Samuel, chapter 5 and chapter 6. Don't you dare miss it. All anxieties and uncertainties stop where biblical literacy starts. This Companion Chapel Podcast makes the Bible easy for you to understand and enjoyable for you to follow along. First, please consider your part in the many-member body of Christ. This is your church. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your part consists of getting involved in the church administration with your time or money contributions, managing, marketing, advertising, helping with the website, helping with the podcast, being special guests on this podcast, or co-hosting this podcast, and we're going to do video podcasts soon. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. This Bible teaching podcast is only possible with your donations. Give it up for God and your whole human family at companionjapel.com. How are you blessing others with the blessings God has given you? Visa Mascar, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com. Companion Chapel is located at number 338, side road 28-29, Paisley, Ontario, Canada, N0G2N0. And the phone number here is 509-706-8876. You can call me with your biblical questions or whatever. I've taken an oath of not saying anything to anybody else. Um, oath of, uh, I forget what that word is right now. i got to get going here. Let's get to 2 Samuel chapter 7 or chapter 5 and verse 1. Let's get right down into it here. Then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. Hey, we're all family. We're all out of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Like, we're all the same people. This is great because bone and flesh indicates seed line of Christ. Verse 2. Also in that time when Saul was king over us, thou wast he that led us out and brought us in Israel. And the Lord said to thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. And you know what? Jesus Christ became that captain. He's the head. He's the chief cornerstone. Anyways, David is a great guy. Here, watch this. Three. So all the elders of Israel came to king came to the king uh, to Hebron, and King David made a league. That's a deal, covenant, contract with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Now note, Father already anointed David uh, through the priest Samuel in the last, in 1 Samuel, but this indicates that people like David, they trust David, and they've inaugurated him as their leader. David was 30 years old when he began to reign and reigned 40 years. This guy's been through quite a bit. He's only 30. Uh, Jesus Christ was only 30 when he began to uh, reign his ministry. But think about this. David, 30 years old and all he's been through, and he held his own. So he's a good, strong, uh, morally strong, ethically strong, socially strong, spiritually strong guy. Six. And this verse needs... You know what? I'm not going to read this verse. I'm going to read the way it's supposed to say. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jezebites are Jebusites, okay? They were camped out in Jerusalem, and it's said that they, uh, 
set the place up originally. And then it, and then this verse is just a brutal translation. And they spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind. Okay, this is what it should say. Thou shalt not come in hither. So the Jebusites are acting tough to David here, trying to protect their Jerusalem area. Thou shalt not come in hither, for the blind and the lame shall drive thee away. David shall not come in hither. So what there's, like they're, patronizing him, they're talking down to him, they're saying, hey, yeah, you're not coming in here, David. These guys are running their mouths, saying, even the blind and the lame can keep you out of this place. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the same is the city of David, Yerushalayim, a place of peace beyond our present comprehension, yet future, <clears throat> and verse 8, another poor translation, and David, you know, held a safe face and he ran his mouth back on these guys and David said on that day whosoever goeth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusite, Jebusites stop right there what do you mean up from the gutter well they didn't hop the fence they went in through a passage that's a, like a water canal and I think jail did that he's a good military leader he was a bit of a renegade earlier and David said except thou shalt take away the blind lame and or wait a minute, eight, and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they say, the blind and the lame shall not come in the house. Another, this is a poor translation. So first the Jebusite said, you're not hopping this fence, even the blind and the lame are going to keep you back, David. Like, pretty gutsy. And then David says, yeah, well, we're coming in anyway. David doesn't hate blind and lame people, all right? So I think his name's Jael. Or Joab. Joab went through a gutter, which is like a canal, and he went in there. They didn't have to hop the fence. So David took the city. So David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built roundabout from Milo and inwards. So he's a construction guy, man. Let's get some buildings going here. 10. And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Key there. God was with him because he didn't turn his back on God. Now watch this, a Satan verse right after. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. Why would he do that? Like, are these guys best bros? Like, are they on the same hockey team or something? No, Hiram, the, think about this. Tyre is the World Bank back then. Um Ezekiel chapter 28, we'll talk about the king of Tyre, Satan himself. Satan is the treasure of the, of the world. You know, when people say to me, when we're sitting around talking, and they say, oh, this government's doing this, and this government's doing that, the Canadian government's spending all the money, getting so far in debt, and then I say to them, who are we in debt to? Who is the United States in debt to? Like a trillion dollars. China? Uh, Russia? Who? Who who are they in debt to? They're not in debt to Canada. Like if America was going to pay off their debt, who would they write the check to? They would write the check to the treasurer of the world who has no sovereign kingdom, the World Bank. Like why do we owe so much money to this World Bank? Who are these people that are driving the economy? The love of money is the root of all evil. Money and politics are, are, are hand in hand now. Like, think about that. I can't believe how many people, even educated people in, in economics and, and financial institutions, who do we owe money to? Who is this debt to? 
that the Canadian government holds or the American government. They always say the same thing. Uh, China, probably Switzerland, maybe some obscure country like Great Britain. Not obscure, they're not obscure, but uh, Great Britain or France. We don't owe money to any sovereign nation. We owe it to this entity, the World Bank. Who owns it? Who is running it? Satan is the prince. <clears throat> Satan is the treasure of the world. Here's Hiram. Why is he sending uh, all these carpenters and masons and building materials down here? They, they have an ulterior motive. <clears throat> they want something back. You know, when people give something grudgingly, God can't stand that when you do something for somebody. Or if you just decide to do something nice but expect something back and have an ulterior motive, then what's the point? You give out of your heart or you make a business deal, one of the two. Twelve, and David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel. Isaac, Sarah, Abraham, Rebekah, and Leah. Okay, And that he had exalted his kingdom for his people's sake. Notice he said, not for my sake. I'm not king poop of Turd Island. It's for my people's sake. God did it. He put me in charge for the people's sake. Huh? David was for the people. 13. And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem, and he was come from Hebron, and there were yet sons and daughters born to David. Well, he's got a whole stable of girls here. 14. And these be the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem. Shema, Shabbat, Nathan, Solomon. Don't look over Solomon. What's these words mean? Shema means renowned. Shabbat means rebellious. Nathan means giver. Solomon means peaceful. Ibar, Elisha, Nepeg, Jepha, Elishma, Elia, Eliphat. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel... All the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to a hold. Yeah, he's not hiding. Hold just means like, okay, this is our military headquarters. This is a uh, stronghold. This is our place. This is the Pentagon, the White House, the Kremlin. You know, this is David's Kremlin or White House or uh, I don't want to call it Canadian one. It's called Parliament. Sounds like ice cream. But anyway, yeah, I'm proud to be Canadian, and, and I pray for my government. But always remember, mankind has a 100% failure rate at governing themselves. 100%. Only what's God is trying to teach us something. So David's down there, and he's with his military uh, sidekicks, big shots, five-star generals, and they're making a plan. The Philistines came, also came and spread themselves in the valley of Raphium. Never read over that word, Raphium. Always think of this. They're the descendants of the Nephilim. Uh, they are the giants. Now, you can watch documentaries on Nephilim and Raphium. N-E-P-H-I-L-I-M. And Raphium. R-E-P-H-A-I-M. Like, science has found these people. They were huge. The book of Jude warned us about these. This is all about Genesis chapter 6. This is the one and sole purpose of the flood. These guys left their first estate. This is the posterity of the Raphim and Nephilim. But they were giants. They were not born innocent of woman. They knew too much stuff. They were huge in stature and huge in moral repulsiveness. And that was Satan's attack. Yeah, they found a back door out of, 
God's heaven and they showed up on earth and they concentrated themselves to attack the seed line of our Lord Jesus Christ to the point where only Noah's, Noah and his uh, eight kids were pure. Not morally pure, but they were pure. They weren't infected by these Nephilim and Raphiums. They were giants. You can watch the documentaries on them. Like they were like 12 feet tall. Like Goliath was a giant from a couple chapters ago. These guys were huge and they were grotesque. And their skeletons have been found. And that is the one and only purpose, the flood. It was a localized flood. God had to get rid of these people. They weren't even, like, they unzipped a back door and scooted out and came down here. And they dated the daughters, or more than dated, married into the daughters of the Adam line, which is the Christ line, to only Noah was there. Scott said, Noah, build an ark. This is going to be an isolated flood here. It's going to be recorded in eight other history books. Uh, grab some animals from around there. Like when people, when you go to church, like I did when I was a little kid, and they say, yeah, the flood was worldwide, like almost to the top of Mount Everest. I was like, really? So, and had every animal on it. So these little squirrels here, these little Canadian tree rats, well, how, how did they get over the Atlantic Ocean to get on this ark? Would they find a floating door? Who else came with them? There's a lot of animals native to this area, and no, they didn't go over. There was an isolated flood. It's figurous, figurous beach in Doshe when you use a whole for a part, the whole world. It was the Raphium's whole world of moral, repulsive behavior. Just going on right now, anyway, all over the place. And God put up that sacred symbol, the rainbow, because these people were just sexually beyond all all reasonables, insisting upon others that everything revolves around everybody else's crotch. And that's what happened. God had to flood that area out and kill those people because they were attacking the Christ line. These guys were sexually immoral, beyond, just brutal, just brutal. And is it like that today? The rainbow was God's symbol to all of us, that he's not going to flood out the world again. He's not going to flood out the world of moral, repulsive, barnyard moral style lifestyles. He's not going to flood it out. And Jesus Christ said the end times would be like Noah, the times of Noah, where it was moral, morally repulsiveness, like constant. Uh, does that sound familiar like now? Look what they've done to the rainbow. You know what's a shame is when you tell the truth and people think, well, he's homophobic. I'm not homophobic. Let me tell you something about homosexuals. God loves you. I love you. But I don't love what you're doing. And neither does God. He set up a book of standards here. That symbol that you people rub in God's face. And okay, let, let, let's just talk about this. I see a homosexual man and, you know, he's walking down the street. I say, you know, he talks to me and says, hey, listen, your book, your Bible, Michael, says that we should all be killed. Like, you, like that's just the most insane thing. He gets angry at me. I said, listen, Mr. Homosexual Shopkeeper. Number one, God loves you. 
Number two, I love you. We shop at the same stores. We go to the same post office. We go to the same variety store. We go to the same grocery store. Either the same restaurants. I'm telling you, homosexual shopkeeper, that if I see you drop your groceries coming out of the grocery store, I'll be the first one there to help you pick them up. If I see you walking down the street and you clutch your chest or something, you're not feeling good, I'll be the first one over to say, hey, man, what is up? We are all part of the human family. But as soon as you want to insist upon me to think about your crotch and then you, and then you impose that on others, because that's all that, that's all that flag means. It, has, it means one thing, our crotches and what we do with our crotches and our anuses. I want you to acknowledge that, Michael. I see that's morally re revolting to me. That's morally repulsive to me. I don't want to think about what straight people do. I don't, I don't think it's anyone's business. God gave us the definition of marriage. And that's supposed to be between a man and a woman. And it's supposed to be you become one. That means it's not about self-gratification and being self-indulgent and selfish and perverted or, being, or imposing celibacy on the other person. You want to make the other person feel good. It's an act of intimate love. But these guys turn it into does it, barnyard morals are the new normal now. And if you don't like crosswalks that are painted the rainbow and you don't like these rainbow flags then you are homophobic i'm not homophobic at all i just don't want to think about you and your partners penises and anuses and i don't want children to be walking out of the elementary school across a, a colored a, a rainbow what do you call this crosswalk and the little kid go, Mommy, why is this all these colors? Well, it's because, see that man over there and that man? Yeah. He likes to put his penis in, in the other man's anus. Yeah. Yeah, little Johnny. That's what this means. That's what it means. Because other than that, there's nothing about being, there's nothing else about their agenda. We do the same stuff. We vote for the same people. We live in the same community. We buy the same gas. Like, you're my friends. Until you cross that line and start imposing, well, you know, maybe you should try it. Yeah, maybe I should try just letting my morals slide and chasing vain curiosities. And then what? It's not about... Lusts of the flesh. It's about being meek. Being meek shall inherit the earth. That means being strong in your convictions. Learning to say no to yourself. You don't just go around. Now it's like, is it a boy or is it a girl? It doesn't matter if you got junk or you don't got junk or you have girl stuff or you don't have girl stuff. What do you feel like being? Uh, I feel uh, I'm a girl. Well, you have a, a, a you know penis and no, I'm a girl. No, you're not. It's moral depravity. It's morally corrupt, it's ethically corrupt, it's socially corrupt, and it's spiritually corrupt. So that is the only thing about homosexuals. You, that is it. Why when we prayed down the streets? I went to a homosexual, gay, trans, testicle parade. And why did I have to see so many balls and penises? Because that's all it's all about. Why don't you pray about something else, about... No, it is the whole homosexual agenda is for to impose upon us 
people like me that have imposed celibacy on myself. Yeah, let me tell you something about that quickly. First six months were brutal. Next six months were hard. And after that, what a relief. Let me tell you something. Like, it's not that important. It's not such a thing. I'm not married, so forget it. No, I'm not just going to go out and just gratify myself. But these people parading down the street, and you just see genitals. They go into their parks, and in a city where I grew up, I read in the newspaper that they are putting, uh, like, uh, sex kits in the park where we used to go on nature walks with our school on school outings. Now there's little bags hanging off the branches with condoms and lubricant. I'm going to vomit here, man. Listen, morally repulsive. Don't impose your morally repulsive goings about on people that don't want to hear. Yeah, now you just have all these catchphrases. Oh, you're homophobic. No, I just don't want to hear about you and your penis and what you do with it. And it's none of your business what I do with mine. It's none of your business what the married couple next door does. It's none of your business. That's all it is. That's all homosexual. That's all this whole this whole prating around and using that flag. And it's rubbing it right in God's face. Hey, God, look it. We don't care about what you did to with Noah's flood. We don't care. Look at us. We're going to celebrate it again. It's all about crotches and lusty puppies and morally repulsive actions. It's not love, man. It's lust. God put the dividing line there between love and lust. He hates it. Last book, last page of Leviticus chapter 18 lays it out. It starts, starts in there. It says, this is the word of the Lord. And it ends with, this is the word of the Lord. It's sealed in there. That's what he thinks of it. When people can't control the lust of the flesh, learn to say no to yourself. It's not easy at first. You can get over it. And we went there because of the raphium. And so anyways, verse 19 of 2 Samuel. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will thou deliver me, deliver them into my hand? He inquired of the Lord. David seeks God for advice. For he seeks him out. He inquires of him. He's the only one. David acknowledging, I trust you, Father. I confide in you, Father. I have an adulter- unadulterated faith and belief in you, Father. And I seek to understand you. I'm going to inquire of you. What should I do? <clears throat> That's good, David. And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I doubtless, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into the hand. Get out there, David. And, you know, there's too much heathenism going on. God has a plan. His plan is plot and purposes. When these people die in these wars, they're instantly with the Father. Like, out of these flesh bodies, this greatest thing, man. Let's get out of these flesh bodies. But while you're in it, you have stuff to do. God has a plan for you. And David came to Baal Perezim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon my enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perez. And I forget what that means. But uh, 21. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. Yeah, there's your stupid gods that can't do anything. If they fall over, they can't stand back up. Uh, people, what people worship today. And when people say they're not religious, 
That's a lie. Everybody believes in something. Most people just make it up for their convenience. And the worst thing is when people use parts of God's word and and say, no, I don't like that part. God, God calls those people vomit. Be hot on it or cold. Revelation chapter 3. I'd rather you be hot on it or cold or I'll spew you out as vomit. Don't be a fence sitter. Like get, get it into you. If, you. if you're right against it, hey, I respect someone like that. One of my best friends says, no, I go to a hole in the ground. That's all there is. You know what? I respect that. I respect his opinion that he's not saying, well, you know, some of it I believe in, some of it I don't. I had some people come up to me the other day and say, uh, yeah, I really believe in the Bible, but I just don't believe that uh, a virgin could conceive uh, and Jesus Christ would be there. I just like, I just don't believe that. I just can't get my mind out of the sewer thinking that there has to be somebody on top of somebody. doing. Let me tell you, God created the heavens and the earth. He can put an embryo in somebody's body. Like, how do you think all this came about? Think about the affairs of time. Go back to infinity back. Think about infinity forward, infinity back. Look up in the sky. Infinity. It's beyond our comprehension. When God said, we pass through the matrix once born innocent of woman, that means, that means we're restricted and we're reduced. There's a core problem with us. We are the one-third that went against God. And we have a lot of making up to do. And I'm telling you right now that I just forgot what I was talking about. So they burnt these images, 22. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Raphium. Okay, back down there in Raphium. They went, all right, let's go for this again. They regrouped and let's do this again. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. In other words, uh, come, up from the beho- come up from the rear. And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of the going of the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the hosts of the Philistines. Remember, they're fighting these giants. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba, that's the hill, unto they came over to Gazer. That's probably more than 30 miles. That's a long way. Like, I don't know about you, but I could probably walk a good mile on a high school track. 35 miles. Yeah, these guys are in good shape. And look at this. When it says, when God says, when thou hearest the sound of the going of the tops of the mulberry trees, that's his spirit moving through there. When you say wind, when you see wind in the Bible, it's Iraq, the spirit of the Lord. Say, I'm here and I'm going to take care of business for you because you had faith in me. Well, isn't that just the greatest thing? Let's wrap it up there. That was Second Samuel chapter 5. We'll do Second Samuel chapter 6 coming right up. Listen, I want you to think about this podcast. Help me do video podcasts. You're helping me. Just broadcast the word. I live in grinding poverty because podcasts don't make any money. But if you can help me keep bringing this to you, then I don't have to go to the food bank and I can get electricity and be part of this church. I don't, I'm not asking for anything. I don't want anything for myself. I just think about the whole human family and 
the Great Commission, broadcast, magnify, and glorify God's saving word. And that's what it says in Revelation chapter 7. How do we know the end time has come? When we've broadcast the word and the 144,000 have the seal of God in their forehead. We have to get together and do this together. If you send me money, you're sending it to a registered nonprofit ministry. You can look that up online, companionchapel.com, and go Companion Chapel Podcast. I want to do videos because I'm getting emails to do videos. I want you to email me, call me, ask me questions, uh, uh, take an oath of... uh, I can't remember that word again. An hour ago, I couldn't remember it. Now I can't remember it. An oath of confidentiality. Yes, Michael's brain came through. And you can talk to me about anything. Some people are hesitant on the phone. I'm saying, listen, man, God is watching me. And I put my eternal soul on the line for you. I teach the Bible. God has given me the key of David. Come be part of this church. Get involved. Help me organize this podcast. I can do the blog. Help me organize that. I can write a blog. I just haven't had time. I don't have any electricity. It's 14 months now. It's freezing cold in here. And I would like to vow to do video here. And you're more than welcome to come here. It's number 338 Side Road, 28-29 Paisley, Ontario, Canada. It's a nice stone house now, thanks to the stone that was donated. And I want to thank people that do send money because, you know, even $10, a couple people send 10 bucks. I can go to the grocery store. I don't have to go to the food bank. And that's just the greatest thing. There's nothing I want except to serve you and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to do that full-time. I want you to be part of it. Get involved in the church administration. Do whatever God-given talent you have. God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. Who God gives much, He expects much in return. We have a problem up here in this area. It's called there's a money bubble up here because there's the biggest nuclear power plant on planet Earth. It's like five, seven miles away from here. And it pays huge wages. And it gives people a sense that money is their savior. That's their religion. And I get in all kinds of conversations with people that want to mock the Bible or ask questions. I don't believe or come up to me, Michael, there is no God. But you know what the easiest thing? I don't, it doesn't even fluster me in the least bit. Because when we get into a conversation, I always win. God will win. Because God allowed me the key of David, which I want to share with you. That's the spirit of prophecy, the intellect of the sacred testimony. That's my Lord Jesus Christ dwelling within me. I always have a linear progression towards the truth. So there's, I don't have to backpedal. I don't have to hypothesize. I don't have to stutter. I don't have to uh, say stupid things like just uh, catchphrases. Lord Jesus Christ is the truth, and the truth is a great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. And look up in the sky. You don't think there's a ton of life up there? Come on. There's tons. The spiritual world is huge. Anyway, I want to thank you very much for listening. Please share this podcast, promote this podcast, and please help support this podcast. Come on out and get involved, or whatever you can do. What's $10? It's nothing. But really help. And help me. Like, I have... I've literally, I've literally got down to two nickels, not even, uh, living in grinding poverty. I'll never stop teaching the Bible, but I want people to come out and get involved. I'm lonely, and I love you to pieces, and I can say that without knowing you, the same way people can hate each other without knowing them. Listen, I want to thank you very much for listening. Have yourself a great day, and bye for now.